0: all right welcome to I love you man the men's mental health podcast Chris how are you doing today
1: good good. It's, good it's been a it's been an exciting few weeks
0: yeah how's your how's your week been
1: oh hectic uh, I had to drive to about an hour to school that's gonna be a once every two weeks thing now and scrambling to get my uh, urine test in for that Um Busy all around.
0: Yeah, how's therapy going?
1: It's going good. It's That's going good.
0: good. Do you feel an improvement in your life since you've started? you be honest. It's okay. I don't
1: know. You I don't know if happened? I have yet or not. I think um, I think the breakup is still really fresh, and there's some days that are just always going to be better than others.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's okay if you don't, you're not, you know... If it worked the first time, I'm sure a lot more people would be going.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Or less people, because they'd go and they'd be done.
0: Yeah, exactly. But let's talk about our guest today. It was a pretty huge one in my book so far. It's our fifth guest, and we had a actual licensed therapist.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, there were some uh, quiet spots because I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Chris and I are not professional interviewers either. <laughs> we need to go to school for this. So we try to make it as naturally as possible as well as get as much information out to our listeners. And we want to have more guests like that who make mental health awareness an okay thing. More licensed therapists or public speakers or you know influencers on TikTok. I've been working on that. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> here pretty soon. Um, so it'd be nice to have people like that, so more people won't feel as pressured. Does that make sense, Chris?
1: Yeah. No. No. I. The less we stigmatize it, the better.
0: Yeah. This isn't for. You know, some people are like, I don't have a, you know, story or anything. Um, you know, I had a relatively quiet, easy life. Well, cool. Tell us about that. What are you doing to stay happy and stay positive and be uplifting these days? You know, how have you brought yourself, you know, how have you found the happy points in your life? Yeah. You know, if you, if you want to spread positivity, come on this podcast. Positivity is mental health.
1: Yeah. Might help people too.
0: Exactly. So this is our shortest episode. I think it's a good intro to the podcast if this is your first time listening. And I hope to have more, Chris. I really enjoyed this and you did an excellent job.
1: Oh, thank you. You did too.
0: Yeah, I need to learn to speak more. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. I need to learn how to shut up more. (laughs) I'm better at the intros.
1: Yeah, that's your specialty.
0: That's why I keep you around, because I don't know any questions.
1: I'm I'm the interrogator. <laughs>
0: yes, good cop, bad cop, in a sense. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: the, you want some coffee? You need some coffee? Cigarette? Donut? <laughs> and then I step out of the room. Tell me where he is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you're feeling today. <laughs> what are your thoughts?
0: How do you feel about this? Sorry for those wearing headphones.
1: Yeah, all Mic right, warning. Chris.
0: Let's get on to this episode. It's only about 30 minutes long, and we've been talking about 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> Enjoy, guys.
0: Enjoy, guys. I love you, man. Love you too, man. All right, welcome to I Love You Man, the men's mental health podcast. We have Nathan here and Chris, Chris, our normal co host. And today is a very special. Uh, episode we have an actual licensed therapist so Chris and I always brag that we're not licensed professionals so we (laughs) thought we'd have one come in. Uh, She goes by the name of Nicole. Miss Nicole will you enter or tell us about yourself?
2: Okay well first of all thanks for letting me be a part of this. Um, The work that you're doing is so admirable and much needed Um, so it's a privilege for me to to get to come and talk with you so um so i'm a licensed clinical social worker so i did my bachelor's degree in social work my master's degree in social work and then i went back and did the uh, i think it was like three thousand and something hours of clinical work to be able to take the licensing exam for that to be um to be a therapist so
0: wow that's uh, pretty impressive so I guess uh a big question, you know, to kind of start out, what made you want to do this kind of stuff? Like putting all this work in isn't feel like something had to influence you. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I've always um had a love, I think just in general for people and uh, especially people that come from hard places, you know, and have always wanted to just be able to give people a place where they could feel seen and heard and validated. And so that I think that was why I was initially drawn to social work. And then as my career evolved, then I wanted to do the one-on-one therapy with individuals. Well,
0: that's good. Um, and it, it's taking you a, a lo- long way. So what kind of... <laughs> What kind of, I apologize again, you know, this is our first real guest and we're, we're not licensed interviewers either, so this is all <laughs> new to us as well. Uh, so this may be a little choppy and I apologize. Um, so what kind of people, like, is there a specific, um, I guess, group of people that need audience? Need? Do you, yeah. Do you recommend it to everyone or, um,
2: I think everybody could benefit from therapy at some point or another, myself included, because, you know, we all just need a place where we can feel safe to uh, just unload some things and talk some things through. And so even if it's not an official mental health, chronic condition, like a major depressive disorder, like we all come into situations in life that we need an unbiased perspective on or someone, um, who I guess per se doesn't have any skin in the game that we can just talk to.
1: Now, speaking of unbiased, Nicole, if you were to seek out therapy for yourself, you wouldn't go to a colleague. You would probably go to someone you don't know or.
2: Um, yeah, I would probably go to someone that I don't know just because if it's a colleague, there's already going to be that some familiarity some relationship that's been yeah. established. And so it would almost run the risk of being a, a dual relationship. So I mm-hmm. would, I would seek someone that I didn't know um, that could be fully unbiased <clears throat> and, and objective.
0: So this is kind of a side question, but I've always wanted to know this. Okay. Is there anything seeing therapy on tv is what everyone knows and thinks of therapy as a therapist when you see that kind of stuff on tv do you ever criticize and be like that's not how it is you know it's not like this or you know like
2: that <laughs> well I think most people have the idea in their head that you go into a therapist's office and lay down on a couch and then they're gonna psychoanalyze your entire childhood and it is definitely not like that at all uh, now there may be some therapists that that is their approach but from my experience and most of the therapists that I work with that is not the case it is definitely more, um, personal and the individual that's coming in and seeking therapy, like that's your therapy. And so you were there to help, but you're the, you're the driver, I guess, per se of the therapy. And it's, it's definitely not as scary or as intense as television sometimes makes it out to be.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what pushes a lot of people away, especially when I tell them I'm in therapy. When you hear that word therapy, it just triggers a sense that that's all you know from TV and entertainment. You are know, just sitting on that couch.
1: I think people are afraid they're going to get walk away with some sort of diagnosis, or you know,
0: and be like, "Oh, I, everybody I hates know labels." I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. I already know I'm crazy. If I go to someone and they tell me I'm crazy, you know what's that going to do? Like when I go to therapy, I don't feel crazy. I feel relieved. You know.
1: Is there ever a point where you have to challenge the the individual in your room? Um, uh, maybe not give them, maybe not give them pushback, but, you know, how, what is the best way to make somebody see something, something from a different perspective when you're in that seat?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, that's kind of a hard question because... It, there has to be a balance with it, because mm-hmm. if if I push somebody before they're ready, then I run the risk of them dropping out of therapy and not coming yeah. back. Um, but if I recognize that somebody is avoiding something that really needs to be addressed, then I'm going to bring that to their attention and say, you know, it, it feels to me or it seems to me like you might be avoiding something very important that we really need (laughs) to dig into. Would you be open to having a deeper conversation about that?
0: And that would probably be more comfortable as well. Um, Good question. But I try to, I try
2: to be very, very patient because when you have somebody that is coming into therapy, they may have a lifetime of things that need to be unpacked and Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen in one or two sessions. Like that's a process. And so, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rush anybody in therapy, but I don't want anybody to sit in a holding pattern because Mm -hmm. they're avoiding the hard stuff, if that makes sense.
1: Now, do you ever have cases where it's, um, somebody is going to therapy not under their own fruition? Now in in those instances, does it, does it tend to not work out as well
2: it's definitely much harder so if it is somebody that is mandated by the court to come in or maybe they've gotten into some kind of disciplinary action on their job and their job is requiring it it's harder because they don't have the personal buy-in they're just there to, Mm -hmm. to satisfy that requirement and so we just work together on what the goals are um, and, you know, I try to just solicit buy-in from them to, if they're going to have to be there anyways, like, let's make good use of it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, have you ever had someone, or I've heard stories where someone comes in reluctantly, and by the end of it, they're like, wow, I actually didn't need this, and I'll continue going? Or is that a rare case you know people just like do it and then leave and don't care for it anymore
2: i mean i personally as a therapist have not had that experience because i i really don't see
1: hardly any any
2: mandated um clients or or patients per se just just you know a few (laughs) so i can't really i mean i can't really say on that
0: so so i'm glad you brought that up so um what you do now, you're a, a therapist mainly for veterans, right? We've had a lot of veterans, and it looks like our podcast is going to be military-related mm-hmm. for a short while.
1: Um, <laughs> Till so we branch out.
0: Cr- yeah, correct me if I'm wrong about it. any of it.
2: No, that's correct. So I primarily work with uh, with veterans. That's the majority... Of um, the individuals that I see. I have a few outliers that are not military, but but yeah, mostly veterans.
1: What are the most common issues you see with those individuals?
2: With the veterans?
0: Yes. Well, I wouldn't say common, but like, when you think of veterans and mental health, I think the stigmatism is PTSD, war, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Do you see others who haven't been through that? Like, and, you know, I had talked about on my episode, um, a lot of it comes from mental abuse. Is that is that common in the military from some of the people that you've talked to? Uh,
2: so, so let me kind of answer that in parts, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. I do see a lot of veterans who have um, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. I see a lot of veterans who have... Um, major depressive disorder, anxiety. Um, but I mean, before they were in the military, they had a history. And so it's not uncommon for veterans to come in and the, the what's at the surface looks like it's from military, from combat, military experience. But then when we start talking, there's been a childhood of abuse or um, instability. And so so it all kind of starts to unfold as we move forward, but it's a variety of different things. And, and one of the biggest things that I see with veterans is really not even um, a diagnosis in particular. It's the struggles with transitioning from military service mm-hmm. to civilian life and adjusting to the culture because military culture is totally different oh, than yeah. civilian culture. So we do absolutely. a lot of work on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know that was one of my uh, my biggest struggles still now, to this day. <clears throat> I don't know about reserves, but.
1: <laughs> oh, they still like to pretend that they were, uh, were you know, G.I. Joes. Yeah. So do you feel, um, I don't know how many women you work with, but do you feel like in general you take a different approach with men as opposed to women?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I will maybe it's, may, it's really individualistic, mm-hmm. you know? And so if I have a male veteran who comes in and they respond to very direct succinct communication, then that's how I have to communicate with them in a therapy session because that's Mm -hmm. what they respond to. And that might not necessarily be the case with another male veteran or a female that I'm seeing. And so I really have to to gauge the individual person, but great question.
1: So is that something you have to do a lot? You have to, um, you have to match the energy level of your, the client that's in there at the time. You, you have to give succinct emotion in, in regards to what they're giving you. Like if they're angry, maybe not be angry back, but it's okay for you to like raise your voice a little bit and you know, kind of just share that moment with them.
2: Yes, and, and everybody communicates differently and responds to different types of communication. And so once I figure that out, then that definitely helps me as the therapist to know what that person is gonna, gonna respond to.
0: So someone who is struggling with mental health and hasn't considered therapy before, what do you think are some good steps or have considered therapy but are hesitant to go, what do you think is a good step to kind of get them in that r- right direction for people who are listening who have thought about therapy and are too scared and want to try, I guess, mental health on their own to prepare to get help. Does that make sense? Like what kind of steps would you recommend?
1: How do you get them in the door?
0: How do you get them into the seat across from you or how can they mentally prepare themselves to be in a seat across from you?
2: Well, I would, I mean, I would just, tell people not to be afraid of it because all of the therapists that I know they are therapists because they love people they have mm-hmm. a genuine interest in helping people and and helping people move through whatever has them in a holding pattern towards becoming their their best self and so i just don't be afraid of it and don't feel like if you go into a session with a therapist and you recognize that they're, it's not a good match, that you don't have a good connection with them, that you have to stay. Like, yeah. stay with it until you find somebody that you connect with and you can build that therapeutic relationship with.
1: I mean, this may be a bit of a crude analogy, but like, it's like what I do with my kids, Nate. We love roller coasters, but you know, sometimes they're scared doing it at first so it's like well look if you like it you can ride this ride every time we come back and if you don't you don't ever have to do it again
2: right
0: so if someone went to therapy and didn't like their therapist how do you go about that i'm sure it would cause a lot of anxiety in the patient you know i'm sure the therapist
1: feels a level of uncomfortability too because you know you know whether or not they want to be they're people in that moment so you know you I'm sure there's been clients you've gotten with, and you can just tell right off the bat that this might just be a bad fit.
2: I always tell everybody that comes into my office in the very first visit, you know, not everybody clicks like not everybody's personalities align, And that's true of therapy too. And so I always just encourage them. If at any point you recognize that I'm not your person if you will be open with me about that, I will help you find somebody that is a better fit because your mental health is the most important thing above my comfort or anything else. Like that's, that's the priority.
0: Do they continue going to sessions until they find someone else? Like or is like, let's take a break till we find someone else.
2: Well, so I have not had anybody come to me as of yet and say, Hey, you're not my person. Like, help me find somebody. Else. <laughs> but I always want people to know that not to be afraid of that. Like, don't be afraid of hurting your therapist's feelings because I mean, we're professionals. We're trained to, um, to handle those types of situations. And so, um, so don't be afraid of that. If, if you go to a therapist and you don't have that connection, you don't have that therapeutic relationship that's working, don't be afraid to move on.
1: What do you find to be the biggest barrier for communication in a therapy session?
2: The biggest barrier to communication in a therapy session, I guess, would be that we develop Types of communication over the the course of our lives, you know, and patterns are really hard to break. And so, um, you know, if if somebody's in my office and we're we're having to touch on something that is uncomfortable, then they can fall into the pattern of becoming defensive. You know, if that's their go-to, is to shut down mm-hmm. and back away or become defensive and protective. Uh, but it's a teaching moment. You know because we have to address that head on and then develop those communication skills
0: have you ever used the cliche and how does that make you feel
2: and yeah <laughs> yes. yes
1: i
0: imagine you <laughs> have i just i want i wanted to know
1: that's uh, all it's really about <laughs> yeah
2: how does that make you feel and tell me more
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but you know, when you get down, I know me and my wife—we practice that kind of stuff too. It really makes you think, you know, like it's cliched, but it'll it'll make you think for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is a men's mental health podcast, uh, as you're aware. I, I don't mean to come off sexist or anything, but do you believe <laughs> that? Do you believe that men's mental health? Uh, is it an important issue and it's not talked about enough, or are we just kind of goofing oh, off in this podcast?
2: <laughs> abs- no, absolutely. I think it is an important issue, um, and while I think we've made great strides as a society in talking about mental health and um, being more compassionate towards people who have mental health diagnoses or issues. I mean, there still is, I believe, a stigmatism around males and mental health issues and that whole, um, you know, man up, pull yourself mm-hmm. up by the, the bootstraps and, you know, keep moving forward, all of that. And so that is not supportive of men seeking mental health treatment.
1: I think advocating for men's mental health is is it better is good for society as a whole because you know men are predominantly the most violent when they have untreated mental issues um you know part of that's testosterone you know there's a multitude of factors but men don't often seek the help that they need and you know it's like that teapot that was left on the stove for too long and eventually it just you know all that gas got to get, has to get let out and, you know, well, everybody men, else get the hell out of the way.
0: You know, statistically, men have a higher suicide rate than women, yeah. you know, because it's uh, – unless I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. But from, you know, what I've read, men have a higher su- uh, suicide rate because they're more likely to try because it's stigmatized for men not to get help. Do you agree or – Ms. Nicole, That,
2: that there's a thinking. stigmatism around men seeking mental health treatment.
0: So I guess the bottom line, like of the question, what do you think could be done more to improve men's mental health?
2: I think exactly what you're doing is incredibly beneficial. Just speaking out about it and saying like, it's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay if you struggle with this. And there are other men who struggle with these issues as well. And it's okay if you need to, to get professional help.
1: Don't let your buddy get away with saying I'm fine.
2: Yeah. It's one of
1: my biggest, my biggest things. Don't let anybody tell you that they're just fine because that's, that's got a connotation in all of its own. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, do you have any questions for us, Mr. Nicole? I know we've been asking all the questions. But uh...
2: no I can't I can't think of anything again like I'm just you know honored that you allowed me to be a part of this and um, I hope that it reaches you know as many men as possible because the message that you're putting out there is is so needed so I wish you both the the best of luck as you journey on with this podcast and I'm looking forward to hearing what you put out in the future
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's much appreciated. Uh, I feel like we're kind of in and early. I apologize, but we've never done this before. We're not licensed professionals. So that's our (laughs) tagline, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. And if you have any friends uh, or colleagues that would be interested in, uh, let us know and maybe we'll have some more questions. Okay. Awesome. Unless you know people who just want to talk positively about mental health. That's always needed.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll keep that in mind.
0: All right. Well, thank you and have a good night.
2: Thanks.
1: All right. Well, that was a good talk, Nate.
0: Yeah, we're still recording. Yeah. Uh, I figured we'd have a little tagline because we ended unexpectedly early.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's okay.
0: It's okay. I'm
1: sure our listeners are happy to get off the, uh, off of it 30 minutes earlier than usual. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think we got some good questions out of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far as first guess, I don't think it, can, it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been yeah. worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
1: I think the big takeaway I have from it is just seek the help. Seek, seek the, the help, help seek the help seek the help
0: and it's okay so it's scary
1: fun. it's scary to make that first step but if you do yeah. you will be appreciated you'll be appreciative that you did
0: yes very and i'm guessing this is our 5th episode I, i'm giving it till 50 till we're really good at this <laughs> i'm giving it till 50 i'm going to set this on the I'm going to set us up top. And if you're listening and you need, uh, or you want to tell your story or just spread mental health awareness, uh, feel free to email us at I Love You Man Pod at gmail.com. That's I Love You Man, P O D, at gmail.com. And Chris, uh, well, I love you, man.
1: I love you too, man.